can be thankful that God has indeed shed his grace on America. Tim Reed is PR and Ruthie's son. Probably doesn't need too much of an introduction. So we're going to ask him to uh, come and bring God's word to us this morning. Thank you, Tim. Thank you for that rousing applause. Appreciate it. (laughs) You must have heard about this message. I don't know. Um, I was supposed to have a large family group here today, and uh, I rented a pontoon out on the lake. We were staying at the Walsh, renting the Walsh cabin on Big Manistique. So I pulled the boat up yesterday to the dock, and uh, I yelled at my mom. I said, come up to the edge of the dock, is what I said. And so we have grandkids, we've got a bunch of people, and we're all in the dock, and I'm on the boat, getting the boat close to the edge. My mom decides to come right out on the dock, trips over the board that's up on the dock, spins around, and does a back, you know, just a flying back dive into the water. And uh, if only I had this on video, Okay. <laughs> Most of you know our family's sense of humor. I mean, I would have had five million things on TikTok today, and uh, we would have been, you know, rich, and I would have given more to the building so we could get the building done. Doggone it. I messed it up. But anyway, so I went by my mom's uh, last night, got her dinner, and did her laundry, uh, what every, you know, kid usually does for their parents after they did so much for them. Remember this, kids? And uh, she said to say hi, and that she loves you all, and that she's okay, and uh, But what was amazing is if she would have landed on the ground or landed on the rocks or landed on the dock, she would have been messed up. But because she had that back, uh, I even asked her, did you, did you take in water? And she said, no, I was in such shock. I went, <gasps> took a deep breath, and she went in. And so my wife jumped off the dock and pulled her up. But you know how it is when you go in in a weird way, you're trying to find your way to the top of the water. And I think she was just struggling a little bit, kind of like those that I used to baptize. And... Um, I'm a lot like my dad, you know, people would ask my dad, uh, how long do you hold us down when you baptize us? And my dad would always say, well, it depends on how much sin was in your life and uh, on how long. No, that's not true. If you're visiting, we don't do that here any, anymore. And uh, my dad's dead and he's gone to be with the Lord and he already paid his dues. Okay. But anyway, um, just to catch you up a little bit. Okay. I'm Tim. I'm the oldest. Um, and I just want to say... First and foremost today, uh, aren't you happy to live in America? We have our problems. We have, you know, our solutions on the way. But I always tell people, the younger generation that I work with so much, and 40 years in ministry and 30 years in in college ministry as a pastor, um, yeah, things aren't perfect here. But we are blessed and thankful uh, for our America, for our freedoms, for our military the people that paid the price so that we could have what we have. Do we need to make improvements? We all know that. But we, as Christians, are going to be part of the solution, not the problem. We're going to pray our faces off, give our money, get involved, make change where change needs to be. But we are going to appreciate the people that got us here, the people that are in the military and the people that have protected us ever since we came here. And I think it's important that the younger generation grabs onto that that when you do one, it doesn't mean it's a slap in the face to the other. You can appreciate what we have and try to improve things because what? You're never going to be in a family that's perfect. 
And uh, you're never going to be in a church that's perfect. You're never going to be in a country that's perfect. But let's be thankful today with, with what we have. Secondly, on behalf of my dad, uh, when my dad came down with liver cancer in Florida, I flew down. The rest of the kids weren't able to get down there at the time. We didn't know how long he had. Um, fortunately, uh, some of you have been bit by the cancer bug like my wife was, and you're going to be fine. You'll work through this process. You're going to fight this. He had a situation that was God's will, and he didn't have to suffer, and it was a short period of time with this liver cancer, a few days in a hospital, a couple days in rehab, and a day in, and uh, barely a day in hospice. And he was gone to be with the Lord. But one of the things he said to me at the very end is to say thank you uh, to this town, to this church, to this pastor and his wife, to many of the families that are here, uh, seated out here. Some of you are new and you wonder, who is this short, white, fat guy? Um, But the rest of you know what our family is about. Our family loved this place, uh, bled for this place, um, put uh, the school on the map sports-wise, this place. A lot of the Reeds, Walsh's, and Carlson's, and Columbaugh's did. And, um, but this town meant a lot to us, and you guys mean a lot to us. And my dad wanted that to be clear when I came back to let you know how much he appreciated your prayers, your support, your encouragement. Um, and so thank you, thank you, thank you. Surely a lot of you don't know this, uh, so I'll give you a little trivia today. Uh, Forty years ago, almost to the day, uh, her and Bill drove from here down to Quincy, Illinois, and she played in my wedding. My wife was there too, but she played in our in our wedding, and uh, so that was about forty years ago. You don't remember this, you know? Uh, Shirley was only ten at the time, and uh, so she was still just playing like this. No, I'm just kidding. But um, Bill and Shirley mean a lot to us, and bless your heart, bless your heart, lady. We love you. The Williams family, um, one of my best friends in high school here, class of 76, was Chuck Williams. And uh, he was a West Point guy. I saw him yesterday to thank him for his service. And so thank those around you for what what they've given and what they've done. Now, you say, you haven't been here for a while. Uh, What kind of message can you give? Well, I'm basically going to preach the Old and New Testament today. And you can leave any time in whatever book it is. Um, probably around uh, numbers you'll want to leave and uh, get first in line at the restaurant. No, today I thought, what's perfect for us today? Perfect for us today. After all we've all been through, we had a year from hell like a lot of you had. And uh, I uh, dropped dead uh, about a year ago, and they popped a pacemaker in, and I've been doing fine ever since. 40 years of ministry, healthy, burning at both ends, just dropped over. And uh, was fortunate. Um, Her mom got uh, uh, diagnosed with Alzheimer's. My dad died. Um, My daughter is a missionary in the Dominican Republic, and her third child was born with special needs. So I jumped on a plane, went down there, rented an oxygen tent, and Tara and I, my daughter, took the baby, Ariana, in the back of the plane, and Will, the husband of my daughter, took the boys in the front of the plane in case she died on the way back. We got to the Phoenix Children's Hospital, and we're 18 months later now, uh, 13 surgeries, and she's going to be okay. And a lot of improvement still needs to be done, but just a weird cycle. I don't know how many of you have dealt with special needs in your family, but it changes you. It changes you. She's brought some type of joy that nothing else could bring to us. 
So these are kind of the things that have been going on. Um, I stepped aside from uh, my full-time ministry um, to really focus on our family this year and to do some caregiving and do some things uh, to help the grandkids and other things like that. And sometimes you, you do that. I love that we have a variety of ages here today. So I want to give something to all of you. I was trying to think of what would piece all this mess together from this last year. Have you ever heard someone say something like this? Don't allow people or circumstances to ruin your day. Don't allow people or circumstances to ruin your day. You have, and I love the word responsibility, not when I was younger, but now, responsibility. Your ability, let's go backwards, your ability to choose your response. So I want to challenge you with that today, that each day from here on out, you become responsible. You are a person of responsibility. You have the ability to choose your response. You can allow people to mess with you. People that have abused you, you can be angry and bitter towards them. People that have hurt you, um, things that uh, have happened in your life, you can allow it to eat you up, or you can let God judge them for their sin, and then you make a choice to choose joy. Choose joy. When you walk out of here today, I want that ringing in your head. Choose joy. Choose joy. You have the ability to choose your response, to be able to choose joy in the midst of it. Now, what book more than any than Philippians? The theme of Philippians is what? Joy in the midst of adverse circumstance. What did we just go through for the last year and a half? Why do some of us have very thin and gray hair and some of us, uh, you know, <clears throat> are looking pretty good up there? It's because we've had that ability to choose a response in the middle of, of these crises that we're going through. So my challenge to you today, whether you're young or whether you're old, when I went to high school over here, I had a choice to make. I could go to the parties and I could, you know, fit in with everybody else or... I could be friendly and positive and encouraging, but don't go everywhere everybody else goes. I could focus on sports. I could focus on church youth group. I could focus on the things like that. And I used to carry a small Bible to that high school um, only for the reason for kids to ask questions. Every sports trip I went on, I had a little Bible, and kids would ask, why do you carry that Bible? And I would say, hey, I'm a Christian. I don't think I'm better than you. Um, matter of fact, I probably think I'm worse than you because I've admitted I've been sin and I need Jesus in my life and I've turned my life over to Christ. I was able to lead a lot of kids from this high school to the Lord. We were able to get them into the teen room and into the activities here. I didn't do everything right in high school, but I made a choice. I was either going to go along with everybody else or I was going to stand for what is right. So whether you're young or whether you're old, in the workforce that you're in, even in retirement, Retirees, we got more time and more money to give to uh, ministries and nonprofits and things that we can do. Um, my dad always said, you don't retire from ministry. You might retire from a job for a period of time, but you don't re retire from ministering, ministering in the community, ministering in the church, ministering around to the needs of others like you guys do. And so I challenge you to, to be able to do that. Well, I wrote a few points down on a piece of paper um, 
so that you could understand this and I could understand this. So my title is this, Freedom Brings Joy. Just as people fought to bring freedom, just as blood was spilled, that we could have freedom in our country, we can enjoy the privileges and take care of the responsibilities that we have. Same thing in Christianity. It's free to us to receive Christ into our life, and it's, it's a free gift. But it cost Christ his blood to bring freedom. We were in bondage to our sin. Now we've been set free. When you're set free, joy comes. I had the privilege a few years back uh, to uh, take a basketball team into Jackson Prison, the largest walled prison in the country. And uh, we went in there and we played ball against the inmates. And then at uh, halftime, I shared a message with them and I just asked them, you know, you, you know, do you feel free? And, you know, it was kind of a rhetorical question and they all kind of laughed and and one guy raised up his hand, and he's in there for major armed robbery and a couple other things. And he says, I am free. And all the other inmates looked around and said, what the heck are you talking about? And uh, he said, when I came in here, I was in bondage of sin, but I realized that I needed Christ in my life, and I've turned my life over to Christ. And now I'm freer than I've ever been, even though I'm still behind these bars here. He said, I know people that have gotten out of this place and they're still living in bondage. You get my drift? And that's what happens. Prison doesn't always change people. Sometimes it makes you a more educated criminal. You come out, a lot of repeat offenders go back, right? But if there's a heart change, they get out, things change. Heart change, things change. And so the freedom that comes when you break out of that uh Bondage in pornography, bondage in a bad relationship, bondage to working all the time and not spending time with your wife and kids. One thing COVID did is it brought the the workaholic dads back home for a period of time to actually have dinner with their children, to actually spend time with their wife. Now, it lasted too long. So then, you know, when the, as you know, women, when the husband's around too long, it gets a little, you know, go back to work, you know. And uh, but the whole idea is some positive things came from the negative. Because when you're living in bondage, you're, you're not joyful, okay? Here's a great one. <laughs> you remember this story where the, the two guys bump into each other, and the one guy says, uh, so how you doing these days? And the other guy says, pretty good under the circumstances. And the other guy says, what are you doing under there? <laughs> you know, I had to think about that for a second. That's kind of what we say. If we're saying we're having a good day, what's that usually mean? Oh, the wife didn't burn the breakfast this morning. This didn't happen. That didn't happen. You know, it's all about people and circumstances. How are people treating me? How's the job doing? No. No, we're not going to live under the circumstances any longer. We're going to enjoy the relationship we have in Christ. And he's given us that responsibility to choose joy. Well, you've heard the scripture already, but let's touch on it just a little bit. Let's take a look at the first part here and uh, that pastor went over in uh, chapter 1, verses 3 through 6. It says something like this. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. That's kind of what my dad and I say to you today is 
Ever since we left this place, we always prayed for this place. We thank God on every remembrance of you. Always in every prayer of mine for you on making requests with what? Um, Do we have that scripture? The first one? One through three through six? Yeah, thanks. Sorry. The... uh, for your fellowship in the gospel for the day until now, and I love this verse. Some of you know this and memorize this. Verse 6, being confident of this very thing that he that has begun the good work in you will perform it for Jesus, till Jesus Christ comes back. So our theme is freedom brings joy. Point number one is confidence. Confidence. When you experience uh, God's forgiveness, when Jesus died on the cross and you understand you Maybe you don't understand all 66 books, but you understand I'm a sinner. Jesus died. Jesus rose again. I need him in my life. I want to experience this. You're set free from your sin, bondage. You're you're free. You feel the joy, and and you start to change. And these four things kind of pop out of your life. You live with a confidence. You walk with a confidence, okay? Uh, Let me talk to the guys for a second. Remember when you were younger and your first love? Okay, and uh, maybe you're 14, 16, uh, whatever, and that girl, you know, really, you know, caught your eye. And some of you, like, even uh, would shower once in a while. You know, this is how important it was to you. You know, you'd throw some deodorant on, you'd throw a few mouth, you know, mints in, you look like a honking chipmunk. And you would walk in there, and you would always walk by her, even if you were going to this class or that class. But you'd find a way to walk by her. And you always walked with confidence because you wanted to impress. There's something about this confidence. Why should you have confidence in the midst of all the crud that's going on in our world today? Because you know how this thing ends. God is in control. He's not caught off guard. He loves you. He for you. You're going to get through this and either better in this life or really good in the life to come. It's never going to get worse for you. For some people here that have just spit in God's face, things aren't going to get much better. And they're definitely not going to be better in the life to come. You've made a choice. You can live with confidence. Why? He that has begun the good work in you will finish it. Okay? If it's up to you, I'm going to sweat. I'm going to fear a little bit. If it's up to me, I'm really going to sweat and fear. But that's not what it's about. He says here, it's not about you. It's about me. We've made religion and church all about us instead of all about God. He's telling you today, live free. Live with joy. Live with confidence. Why? Because I'm in control, he says. I'm going to complete it in you. I'm going to work it through. He knows whether you have 12 years or 24 years. As I went through the cemetery to pay my respects to my dad, I was looking around at my Uncle Jay Walsh, who was a missionary in Bangladesh. I'm looking at other names of many of some of your family that are there and the lives they live. But you always look on there and you see, and you tend to want to see how long they lived. But some made a big impact in 12 years. Some made a big impact in 18 years. Okay. My senior year of high school, my good friend Brenda uh, was killed in a car wreck right outside of town one month before our graduation. It's the day before Easter. 16-year-old, 17-year-old kid. 
you know, ready to, to walk with us. And her life snuffed out. She had a huge impact in that short time. Other people, longer time. I uh, went through the cemetery where the Nutkins family lives. Now they're gone. But I used to spend a lot of time at that home. Jay was my best friend in high school growing up, and he came to faith in this church. And uh, we still keep in contact. But he's since lost both of his parents and his wife, and uh, he's had a pretty rough life. Um, But we have those memories of the past. I don't know how long God's going to give each of us, but I know this, we want to live it for him. Live it free, live it with joy, live it with confidence that he is going to finish in us what he has started, okay? Now, a few years back, um, my oldest daughter, Tara, this is before she became a missionary, uh, she decided to do a trip around the world. There's a uh, mission agency that does uh, one year out, and you go to about 10 to 11 different countries. And you spend about a month to two months in each uh, country, and you do different types of ministries there. Uh, it's called the World Race. So she went on the World Race, and when she got to Romania, she had prayed throughout the whole trip, God used me to help Romanian people. Well, she was out on a balcony working on a project. It's a long story. But anyway, she fell three stories and landed on her back and hip. And uh, when I got the call uh, in America that she had fell at the time, we didn't know if she was going to live or die. Uh, then the next call came through. We didn't know if uh, you know she was going to be paralyzed. The next call came through. We just didn't know what was going on. So eventually we had to work out uh, a bunch of details to get there within 24 hours. And when my wife and her friend got off the plane and I uh, had a, a friend of mine meet them when we realized that she was out of the woods as far as living or dying um, and she was going to be there for a while, we had this plan set up. So my, my buddy came, picked them up, drove them straight to the hospital. And uh, I wrote it down here because I'll probably get emotional about it. But... Um, they were dropped at the hospital, and uh, my wife and her friend are walking down the hallway in this Romanian hospital, a zillion miles from home, uh, smelly, dingy. I don't know if you've ever been in, in this area. still seems like it's under um, the curse of communism. And uh, so they're walking down the hallway, and they're trying to figure out, where's the little American girl? You know, where's she at? She's... Uh, I think 21, 22 at the time. And uh, and all of a sudden, they hear singing. And some of you know the song, uh, How Great Is Our God. And they're hearing that song, uh, not in Romanian, but in English. And so they start following it. And as they follow the sound down the hallway, they come to the room where Tara was. And even though she had fallen so far and fractured her pelvis in five, four or five places, not knowing what her future was going to be, she, you know, had a song in her heart. Why? Because she had confidence. God took me on this trip. This is not how this is going to end. And by the end of her six weeks in the hospital, she had ministered to so many Romanian people, doctors, uh, uh, different types of 
nursing staff and other people. And other people would have said, well, God took her there to minister to the, to the Romanian people. Yeah, maybe this wasn't exactly how you planned to minister to Romanian people, okay? But this is the way God planned it. She stayed so long that when we tried to get her out of town on a flight, um, she had overstayed her visa. But the specific doctor that had worked on her had some, you know, ends with the government and was able to get get her situated and out of there. And uh, I'll never forget that through your next 10 treatments, how great is our God, right? How great is our God? Why? Because you are confident of this very thing. If you want me here 20 more years, God, you're going to have me here 20 more years. But I'm going to enjoy every day, and I'm going to choose joy, and I'm going to be used of you while I'm here, forever how long it was. And with my crazy sense of humor, my good friend had a brain tumor, and we were working through it together. I was in the hospital with him quite a bit. And uh, he said to me, how do I respond when the doctor says I have a year and a half to two years to live? And I said, Well, that's a pretty good prognosis because I've seen you drive before, okay? (laughs) You're going to be dead before that, you know, by a car accident, you know? And so we were joking about the whole idea that, you know, with all the craziness in the world today, we don't know that we have a year and a half to live, you know? We have no idea. So that's why, with confidence, we're going to live each day to its fullest. Amen? That's what it's about. We serve a big God who is in control, not caught off guard, doesn't want us to live in fear. He wants us in faith over fear. He wants us to experience joy. Why? Because it takes you through the tough times. Sometimes if you don't laugh, you'll cry, right? And is it okay to cry some? Yeah. But sometimes you can't cry any more tears, right, Shirley? Just can't cry any more tears. And you know God has, you know, got those tears. See, my situation, you know, she's worried about my dad. I'm saying, Shirley, I'm worried about you. You guys are close. Worried about my mom and my dad because of these long marriages where the friendship's there. I had a great relationship with my dad. You know, he lived a long life and touched a lot of lives. Uh, When people say, we feel so sorry for you, I'm just like, my dad is in heaven. He's out of his pain. He lived his life to its fullest. I don't feel sorry for me. You know, the man is where he belongs, where he's at. He's out of this mess. And God used him in a great way. But those that are left behind in that hole that's there. My dad was my hero. and uh, But he wasn't perfect, by the way. And you guys need to realize that. That you don't have to be perfect for your kids and grandkids. They'll figure it out along the way. Just live the life consistently in front of them. Love them unconditionally. Give them room to fail. Give them a chance. Help them through the process. So number one is confidence. Number two, uh, one fourteen, And many of the brethren in the Lord waxing confident by my bonds are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Jump down to verse 20. According to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I should be ashamed but that with all boldness as always, so now also Christ will be magnified in my body. For me to live as Christ, to die as gain. Is that your life first? Mine's First Timothy 4.12 about being an example of the believers. But this is a great life first. Choose a life first this year. Choose a life first. And live up to that. Pray up to it. And uh, 
see God do something special in your life. For me to live right now is I'm going to live for Christ. I'm going to make a difference in loving people, encouraging people, meeting people's needs, forgiving people, um, you know. But if I go be with the Lord, hey, that's great. That's great. That's great for you. It's better for me. It's better for everybody, right? And so I think it's important that we understand. So point number two I want you to see is courage. We have confidence that God is in control. He's going to finish it. We have courage because of what God is doing and because of what others have done for us. When I saw my dad's courage against insurmountable odds, our first church down in uh, Cambria, Dad and a couple of the guys were building it from scratch. And I remember coming around the corner one day and... uh, I was probably five years old, and I don't have a lot of re- you know recollection of things when I'm young, and I don't know about you, but uh, I think I was five or six years old, and I come, we come around that corner in the middle of the night, and there's smoke coming up, and, uh, and doggone it, if that church isn't on fire, someone had purposely set that little thing on fire. He had grown that church. The church had been just booming. Things were going great. They're building this building. And then the devil comes in and throws in this monkey wrench. But you know what was really cool about it? As we came around that corner and we got close and my dad says, stay in the car and uh, jumps out. They're grabbing different things, helping the volunteer fire people. They're trying to put the stuff out. And a little while later when they got the fire down and all it was was just smoldering, People from the church had heard the noises and had come out and they surrounded that church and they just held hands and they were singing praises unto the Lord. Singing praises. What do you, what do, you do? When you're confident that God is in control and something's out of your control. Okay, now hear me correctly. If you can change something about your life, do it. But if something's out of your control, you can't live in worry and fear. You've got to just say, hey, here's a good way to say it. God, <laughs> I'm kind of looking forward to seeing how you're going to get me out of this one. Because this isn't my fault. This isn't my choice. This isn't a bad thing. For most of us, a lot of our problems are to, to our own bad choices, right? Me especially. But these kind of things that are out of our control... So what did these people do? They sang and prayed for the firefighters. But what were they really showing? Courage. That we're going to build this church. Devil wants to uh, to tear us down, then we must really be doing a good work. And they built it back, bigger and stronger than ever before. And that church is still today thriving like you wouldn't believe. But those people had the courage to step up. And some of you have had fires in your life. We've had fires in our life. Um, three or four of the churches I were in had fires. I mean, I'm, I was to the point where I wouldn't even sing the song, It Only Takes a Spark. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you, you were fading on me, so I had to tell a bad joke. Okay. For those of you that are younger, you don't even know what that song means. So just laugh like it was really cool. Um, so it, the bottom line is, fire refines. Right? Uh, It's destructive. But God 
built courage in the hearts of those people. And now that we've had to say goodbye to the building next door. Now, I'm happy for some of you. I forgot how many steps you had to walk up. It's like you had to go to the bathroom at your house and go, man, I hope I don't have to go to the bathroom down at church because you had to walk up another set of stairs. But you know what? This is great, and we're going to build a church because why? The church is the people. Why did the church not die when the government was trying to shut us all down? Okay? Basically because the church isn't a building. The church are the people, and the people will continue to worship God and pray to God and read his word and live the faith out and take care of, you know, the people around them. Okay? People get critical of religious people, but do your research a little bit. This, this country wouldn't be half what it is today if it wasn't for non-religious nonprofits that go out and make a difference and don't use a dime of the government's money. We help more poor people, more hurting people, you know, than anybody else. It's amazing what, what we do. But we don't want to take credit for it. All we do is take the shots from other people about how judgmental we are and things like that. So prove to them you're not that way. We're not legalistic and judgmental. Okay? Look at the rule book in the PGA golf tour. That, that's legalism. Uh, you have lots of rules. The church has two rules. My dad lived for this. Love God and love people. Love God and love people. People say, well, I want to go back to the Old Testament. Yeah, you do, but you don't want to go back to 631 laws that you had to abide by. When Jesus came along, it was pretty cool. He took the 631, and then Moses dropped it to 10, so he was pretty cool. He could move from 631 to 10. That's pretty good. Jesus took the 10 and brought it down to one and a half, right? Love God and love others. So you think we're living in a legalistic time? <laughs> think again, my friend. Don't be judgmental of others. Love them. Love them to Christ. They'll know we're Christians by our love for one another. It doesn't even talk about the love for them. It talks about the love for one another, that we have different opinions. Somebody, one of my students stood up in class one day in Arizona and said, Tim, you, you have... You know, family and friends that are on both sides of the political realm. Some are far left Democrats, some are far right Republicans. You have everybody in between. How, how do you stay joyful, stay positive, have fun and love them? I said, because they're all created by God. I'm going to love them. They said, no, no, really, how do you do it with your sense of humor? I said, well, it's simple. When I sat down to Thanksgiving dinner... I look around that long table and I think every one of these people here, even though they have different viewpoints, every one of these people here are future potential kidney donors. <laughs> that's a good way to look around your Thanksgiving table, okay? And guess what this kid says? You know what he said. I'm not going to take a Democratic kidney. <laughs> I about busted out laughing. I was like, dude, when you're dying, you'll take any kidney. You'll take a libertarian, you know, kidney. You'll take any kidney. And, uh, but it's just funny how we've gotten so extreme and so critical and so judgmental. I want us to be as passionate about God and his word and sharing our faith and meeting people's needs as we've become about the political realm. Okay. We need to be involved in politics and praying and voting and doing what we can do for change. But let's be careful 
that it's not moving us further away from sharing the gospel of Christ with people as we go on. Well, let's wrap it up. Freedom brings joy, confidence that he's in control, courage so you can stand against some things that are tough. I'll just give you a funny story that will help you with your courage. When my uh, granddaughter had her, uh, when she was born with a special needs, the boys, her brothers in the Dominican, were seven, well, of course, at that time, they were six and four. So my son-in-law came out from the hospital, and they were in deep shock with all of this coming down, a disease that, no, you know, Apert syndrome that no one had ever heard of. We hadn't researched it or anything. And it, it just happened. They, they were not prepared for it. So when the baby was born, it was born, and so it was big shock. So after they settled in and we got everything kind of situated, uh, Will, William comes and explains to the boys, your sister is going to look different, but she is part of our family, and we're going to love her and protect her. Now, this is what I want you to do is what these boys did. So at the end of the short conversation with the boys, he says, we're going to be going to the hospital, and you're going to meet your baby sister. So the boys disappear for a few minutes, and they go in their room, and then when Will yells, we're leaving to go to the hospital, he turns around, and they're running down the hallway with their superhero outfits on. Capes of flying masks on and saying we're going to save our sister and uh, he said he just melted right there because kids don't see things the way you and I do they don't just go no I've never once saw my three-year-old five-year-old I'd wake up in the middle of the night and they were pacing the floor going how are we going to meet the house payment okay never saw that happen you know kids don't worry they just figure out how And I want you as adults, quit worrying about what's happened. Let's figure out how. What's the next step? You know, people have said to you a million times, quit looking in that small rear view mirror. you got a huge windshield to look out. When you look into the past, you keep a tie to the past. The only reason why you ought to be looking at the past is to see how far you've come. To see what lessons should be learned. Don't live in the guilt. Don't live in the frustration. Don't live in the fear of the past. Be like these boys. Hey, we can't do anything about this disease she's born with. So let's go, you know, rescue her. Let's go love her. They got the best picture of of them running down the hallway of the hospital. And then the video of them coming into her room, jumping into the bed next to her, and just holding her. Just the most special time. Because what? They don't think about this. They're, they're thinking about the courage to change things. The confidence that God and their parents can move things in a positive way. Well, third one is uh, conduct. Confidence, courage, conduct. 127 says, Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of what's going on with one mind striving together for the faith of the gospel. And in chapter 2, it says what? Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, 
but he humbled himself and became obedient unto what? All the way to the cross. In our families, in our businesses, in our communities, in our church, we need to show humility. I always tell my athletes when I speak to them, I've had chance, my dad and I have, to speak to the lions and the tigers and the bears. Oh, my. Uh, we've been able to speak to the different kinds of uh, teams through the years, the twins and, and Vikings and stuff like that. These guys have money and prestige, but they're still scared. They're still in emptiness. When they don't have God, they don't have a purpose. I find this, athletes come to me and they struggle, and I always say, stay humble, stay hungry. Keep working hard. Keep working towards the goal. People say, how do you stay focused? And I always say it this way. When you focus on the common goal and the common enemy, you'll get things done. But when you get away from the goal, the goal is to share the gospel, the good news of Christ with everyone, to disciple everyone, to meet the needs of the poor. The goal is to make disciples of all nations. The enemy is the devil. But what's happened is we've made the enemy other people. We've made the enemy other people in the church. Different viewpoints. It's okay to have a different opinion. Okay? In the end, we still love each other. How long did it take you to figure out that someone could have a different opinion than you and still not be anti-God and anti-American? Okay? People have a different view. It's okay. They can be wrong. No, just kidding. But it's the whole idea of helping people through the process. So... Freedom from our sin and our bondage brings joy. Joy brings a confidence, a courage, a conduct, an action in how we live our life. And then lastly, we'll go ahead and put that scripture up, the last scripture on 4.11. Not that I speak from want. I lost it myself. Not that I speak in respect of one, for I've learned in whatsoever state I am, whether I'm in Arizona or Michigan or wherever, therewith to be content. That's not what it's talking about, is it? But in a way it is, because if I was in Arizona right now, how hot do you think it would be? Yeah, about 116 probably. But it's a dry heat. We have the best t-shirts in Arizona. We have a skeleton laying on a, a lounge chair drinking a lemonade, <laughs> and it's a dry heat, <laughs> but it, it's, uh, I'll try to get you one of those, but it's, it's, it's a different kind of heat, you know, um, but just like you are cooped up in the winter here, like I used to be, we're cooped up a little bit in the summer there, but you learn to be content, and you make the best of what you have, and that's what he's talking about here. Some of us have been poor. We grew up in a poor family ourselves. And, uh, you know, now it seems like, you know, we make a little bit more money and stuff. But the bottom line is, it's really not about that. It's about learning to choose to be content where you're at. You know, instead of always wanting more, always wanting more. You have any friends that are just, you know, they might have a lot of money, but they're not very happy. They've lost a couple marriages. Their kids don't want to have anything to do with them. Because their focus has always been on money and making more instead of being able to enjoy the life that they have. They did not learn this thing that God is in control. 
Be content in what you have. Some of you remember, and this is a good one to close on today. Look, yeah. I want to go a little longer than pastor, so you'll be glad when he's back. Um, so some of you remember the story of uh, Corrie Ten Boon and uh, when she was in uh, the concentration camp. Remember these books and the stories of the hiding place? Remember that? But anyway, there's a really unique story in there. Corey and her sister uh, were ended up in the same barracks during part of the concentration camp. And they saw, saw all these Jews dying, all the people that were hiding Jews dying. And uh, so they were in, kind of got stuck in the middle of this whole thing. And one of the days, uh, Corey's sister said to her, you know, we need to choose joy. We need to be more positive. And Corey's more of a pessimistic person. And uh, she said, you know, we're all going to die and look at all this craziness and these people are crazy. And, 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 and on top of all that, uh, we have fleas. And throughout that barracks, they had fleas everywhere. And it was scratching and itching and, oh, it was just really, really bad. Well, Corey's sister kept saying, let's be positive. Let's pray. Let's keep doing our Bible studies with the women that are there. Let's try to stay positive. Someday God's going to set us free from this mess. And some of you know the rest of the story is um, a little while later, as Corey's sister kept saying, look at the things we have to be thankful for. Look at the positives. Let's choose joy. And Corey's like, oh, 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 oh. So they're sitting in a spot where they can hear through the wall, and they hear three of the guards talking. And the guards are saying, no, you go there. No, you go there. No, I don't want to go there. And what they found out, that the guards had not been coming in to their barracks for months. That's why they were able to have Bible studies. That's why they were able to counsel and pray with other people. That's why they're doing all the, all the other barracks, the guards are coming through all the time. Guess why they weren't coming through there? Because of the fleas. And that's what the guy said. No, you go in there. No, you go in there. No, I don't want to go in there. So even in the midst of it, Corey's sister says to her, we have to thank God for the fleas. I'm not thanking God for the fleas. And then when they heard this talking through by the guards, she was like, that was God saying to them, hey, even in the negative things, something positive can come. We're together. We have Bible studies with these women. The guards aren't around. And they started to list about six, eight things that happened positive because the fleas were in their midst. You know, you and I have a lot of different fleas. Some of you used to date some, and you got rid of them, thank God, okay? But the bottom line is even in the midst of the negative things, you can stop and choose it. And so what's he say here, the last couple verses? I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me, and what? He's going to supply our needs. Do you trust that? You know what I think is crazy about Christians sometimes? We trust God with our eternal destiny. We're going to heaven when we die. But we can't trust him with tomorrow. You know, that's so nutty, you know. 
I'll trust him with my entire eternal destiny. He created the world. He put uh, the Bible together. He sent his son to die. He raised him up from the dead. He can do all that, but he can't handle my little piddly problems tomorrow. (laughs) Come on, guys. Be responsible. The ability to choose your response. Choose joy, choose joy, choose joy. Today and tomorrow and the next day. And will things get better always? No. Sometimes it gets worse and then it gets better. But in the end, I become stronger. You become stronger. We become a better testimony. We minister to this area. We build this church up first as people. And then we build a building. Okay? Nobody ever came to this church just for the building. Ever. They came because of you. Your love. And your caring. And your invitation. And they heard about this. And they heard about that. Build the church and then build the building. As we close up, that challenge I wrote on here basically says this. Daily choose joy, even in the rough times. And when the fleas come, you can gripe a little bit. I'll give you that. But understand the fleas might be keeping some other things away. They might be preparing you for something positive. Take advantage of the opportunities that are there with you. Well, I love that there's freedom in this country. I love that there's freedom in Christ. I love there's freedom in this pastor, in this church. And with that freedom, it sets you free to experience joy. 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 Choose joy. It's hard to be positive, okay? It's hard to be positive. But we're going to fight it and allow Christ to work in and through us. Let's pray. God, we're thankful for today. I pray a special blessing over Pastor and his wife. I pray a special blessing over this church. Thank you for these families that helped raise our family. Thank you for my years uh, that we had here and that my dad had here. And uh, thank you for... Even in the midst of the fleas of coronavirus, we don't understand it all, but we do know that you are God and you care. You love us. You've forgiven us. You have hope for us. You have joy for us. Help us to experience that today. Lord, if there's someone here that hasn't invited you into their life, I pray that they would just pray even in the quiet. Admit they're a sinner, believe you died and rose again, invite you into their life. And Lord, for those of us that have been Christians a while, maybe today is a day to recommit our lives to you and being positive and making a difference in our community. I just pray that you would help us to recommit, deal with our own sin and get the counsel and accountability that we need and learn to laugh again. Lord, if we can't laugh in the church, then we can't laugh anywhere. You have forgiven us. You have given us freedom. We need to to start laughing again, start being joyful again, start spreading news of, of, of the joy in Jesus, the joy in serving, joy of knowing you. So we commit our lives to you today, and thank you, in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, Pastor. Thank you. I went a little longer than my dad would or that you would. <laughs>